0: Hey, next on the Teen Nation, thanks for tuning in to this segment of the show featuring tour legend Neil Lancaster. And thank you so much for your continued support. The show is currently ranked number three in the podcast magazine Hot 50 list. We've been number two in June and July, now number three in August and September. We certainly appreciate your vote. You can do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash Hot 50. You guys have been fantastic. This is your show, and you're certainly showing that by your votes. Thank you so very much. You all are fantastic. Enjoy this segment. Okay, my first guest tonight is Neil Lancaster. Neil is from Smithfield, North Carolina, was a self-taught player who didn't take his first official golf lesson until after he had turned pro. And that lesson was from L.B. Floyd, father of Ray Floyd. We'll talk about that in a minute. Neil turned pro in 1985, got his first win on the PGA Tour in 1994 at the Byron Nelson Classic in a six-man playoff. He finished second in the 2002 Canadian Open. He had five other professional wins at the 1985 Carolinas Open, the 1989 Pine Tree and Utah Opens, the 2017 Carolinas PGA Senior Professional Championship, and the 2018 Carolinas Senior Season Kickoff. He finished tied for fourth at the 1995 U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills. Thanks to a final round 65 that featured a U.S. Open record 29 on the back nine in the final round, he ended up finishing four-back of Corey Pavin. He shot a back nine 29 again the following year in the U.S. Open at Oakland Hills, this time in the second round. Since retiring from playing on the Champions Tour, he's become a PGA professional in the Carolina section, and I'm thrilled to have him with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Neil, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris. It's a pleasure. been hot but everything's going good starting to cool off a little bit we're going to get through the heat but it's been a good summer
0: neil like i mentioned in your intro you were self-taught i read that you taught yourself how to play looking at pictures in magazines so i gotta ask what what made you pick up a golf club to begin with and then how did you teach yourself how to play out of pictures in magazines
1: well my my dad and my granddad used to play all the time and uh We had a couple little holes around the house with some you know, some Maxwell House coffee cans and little irrigation flags, and and then we joined a golf course called the Cardinal Golf Club, and um, they would go out every weekend, so I'd just ride along with them, and I just started looking at magazines and was very visual and would look at people. If I read the articles, I'd get confused, kind of, so I just, I kind of emulate the best players in the world, And, and at the time, you know, Nicholas and Trevino and so I, I kinda of taught myself that way and I, I developed a bad hook and I just I, I figured it out myself and then uh just you know, I, I watched it every Saturday and Sunday afternoon on the tour when Johnny Miller was hot in the day and I, I just I decided that's what I wanted to do and I just kinda, of, you know, kept working at it, kept working at it, kept working at it after I got about fifteen years old and was lucky enough to make the tour and uh, I'm somewhere around eighty four I think it might have been 81 I don't even know when I got on but I was you know very fortunate to, to get out there and I, I knew what I wanted to do and I just I just kind of picked myself if things went crazy I just would try to figure out you know fact then the ball was so different you could curve it a lot so I, I played by field when I curved the ball a lot and uh I was just a visual guy and that's that's basically and I just I caught myself
0: so at what point was it 15 when you finally thought to yourself you know what hey I'm pretty good at this thing i could probably make a run at going uh going pro
1: well actually i played all other sports too And at 15 i started playing i played baseball and i was not a very good runner so i i put my mind to golf and started playing golf in high school and i just started getting better the more i played the better i got the more i played the better i got and you know and, and and people don't realize it takes a lot of work i mean i hit a lot of golf balls figuring it
0: out myself
1: and Sometimes you just got to go out and figure it out yourself. And like
0: I mentioned in your intro, you didn't take your first official lesson until after you turned pro, and that lesson happened to be from L.B. Floyd, Raymond Floyd's father. So how did you meet L.B. Floyd, and what made you approach him about taking a lesson?
1: Well, I actually was – I think I was struggling, like, my first year on the tour, and I I actually didn't uh, regain my status. I mean, I I lost my status, and so I thought I'd try to get better, and I was hanging around 140, 132, one, you know, just never keeping my card the first year, and so I decided to go see Mr. Floyd, who's up the road in Treadville, North Carolina, about 50 miles from me, because Ray Floyd, you know, is a legend, and he was still playing good at the time, so I went to see Mr. Floyd, and I'll never forget, I walked in and and met him, and he said, I'll be out in a minute, and I got a golf cart. he got one, and we rode out, and he watched me hit about 15 range balls. And we went out, and he said, I'm going to watch you play three or four holes from a distance. So we went out, and he had a little dog with him in the car, I'll never forget it. And I uh, still was driving the old Cushman three-wheeler. And um, I hit a few, played like three or four holes, and we came in and went in his office. And I said, well, Mr. Floyd, what do you think? And he said, looks like to me you've got it, son. He said, you've got a lot of natural ability. He said, go out there and do it because you've got the talent to do it, is what he told me. So I kind of took that as my lesson. I went out and I retained my playing privileges and got my card back and stayed out there about 14 years before I fell apart again and had to go back to tour school. And then I got through that one and stayed out about three or four more years and I had some injuries. But he told me probably the greatest thing, ever uh he said you're a field player so you know feel it but back then the balls and the clothes were so different you could curve them and uh like i said i was a field player and i like to curve the ball but it, it gave me a lot of confidence when he told me that i had the talent to go do it and just go do it so that's what i did speaking of q school
0: i read in your pga tour profile that at one point you had 93 dollars in your pocket a van and that was back in 1989 you still decided to go out there and give it a try on the mini tours. You ended up winning ninety six thousand dollars in a four month span and then went on to Q school. Is that accurate? That is that is that is pretty accurate.
1: You know, ninety three dollars, yeah, I had enough money to get gas. I had a full tank of gas and, you know, roughly ninety to a hundred bucks to get to the first event, and I, I played good enough to move on to the next one. And what happened actually, I was a club pro in Mount Olive, North Carolina for three years out of college. And, and the guy who gave me my start, he said, who was the head professional. I was, you know, pretty much beating everybody in the Carolinas. And, uh, he said, I think you got some ability and they got a little bit of money up and they sent me off and, uh, my dad on the car lot and he had a van and we took it and. So I got enough from my entry fees to play like 14 mini tour tournaments across the country. Well, I played my first one, and when I got to, uh, it was called the U.S. Golf Tour back then. And I got to Texas, and I shot 62 the last day to finish second. And uh won about $8,500, and that gave me enough money to keep going. And then I went on, and I won a, another U.S. Golf Tour in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, somewhere behind free, open. And I won 20000 there. And then I went to the – uh so I worked my way west to see – because I wanted to see if I could compete against players all over the country. And I got to Utah, and they said Keith Clearwater and J. Don Blake are playing this week. And they got their tour cards. And Keith Clearwater actually was doing me a favor. I think he had won Colonial that year or the year before, shot 64-64 in the last two rounds. So I went out there and played that. Uh, I set the tournament record, won it by nine, um, and won 20000 there, and I uh, drove back, and then that's when I went to tour school that year, and I got through.
0: Fast-forwarding a few years, when you win the Byron Nelson in 1994, they shortened the event to 36 holes due to a lot of rain. Talk about the conditions that week, and then winning the tournament in a six-way playoff.
1: Well, it's, it was so many rain delays i have always the guy that always loved the locker room because all the characters come out. We always talked and had a good time. So rain delays didn't really bother me. I mean, we just went in and had a good time. And I remember uh it, it rained so much on the 14th hole that they took helicopters and dried the fairway out just so we could play the final round. And the Coca-Cola machine was in the middle of the fairway when all the water went away. But anyway, I finished early. I birded the last five, I think. And then I went in a six-man playoff, the largest playoff in history. And the craziest thing is Mark rawson I was the last to hit in the playoff off the tee. And Mark Rawson said, I have a funny feeling Neil is going to win this thing. And my caddy talked me into everybody was hitting driver off the tee, fake pole at Los Colinas. And he said he hit a three-wood. And the reason he wanted me to hit three-wood because I hit three-wood nine-iron in regulation, and so I hit three wood, and I had the exact same yardage I had in regulation, and I hit it about five feet both times. And luckily, you know, you gotta have some luck. Everybody missed a putt, and I had a five-putter to win Byron Nelson. You know, it just, it changed my life. Basically, it, it gave me a lot of confidence and got me in some events I wouldn't have got in. And it was, uh, and you know, Byron Nelson, a legend, win his event, and uh, I didn't care if it was 36, so a win's a win
0: and to that end when you're getting ready for the six-man playoff everyone's over on the driving range they're hitting warm-up shots i read you hit two shots went back and sat down because you knew how you were going to play that 18th hole is that right
1: yeah everybody was out there warming up you know everything's tv based and everybody's on the range with the caddies hitting balls i got up hit a couple uh, i hit i hit a three-wood first, and I hit a nine-iron second, and then I hit a couple drivers, and I went and sat back down on the bench, and everybody said, Bill, what are you doing? I said, well, we're only going to play one hole. If you don't bury the first hole, you're going to be out. So I knew if I didn't bury the first hole, I'd probably be out, and luckily, you know, I just sat down there and put my mind I'm going to bury the first hole, and that's what happened. I buried the first hole, and everybody else parted, so <laughs> the tournament was over, but yeah, I, I wasn't much of a, much of a range rat. I was a, you know, I just, uh, that, that wasn't my style. I, I, I played some of my best golf and Carlos Franco did, the, the, did this because he's a field player is because I, I, I'm such a field player and visual that I, I did I wouldn't even go to the range because you're just out there hitting straight shots and getting loose. And I would just walk to the field, first hose dog leg right, just hit a little cut shot out there. But that, that's, you know, golf's a crazy game. We practice on a flat lie and we only hit it off of a flat lie 18 times all day. Off the tee box, <laughs> most times the ball's below your feet, above your feet. So, you know, on the driving range, you're just hitting off the flat line, getting straight shots. And that's that's good for getting loose, but that has nothing to do with the game. The driving range.
0: So I got to ask you now. I mean, you're you're trying to get your first PGA Tour win. You execute the drive, you execute the second shot. Now you've got a five footer, and I read it was kind of a downhill putt. You're standing over a five footer to win a tournament. Were you nervous? What's going through your mind as you're standing on on top of that putt?
1: Nervous as I've ever been in my life.
0: You, I, luckily, it was five
1: foot and it was downhill, left to right, and I could just barely touch it. I think if it was uphill, I probably wouldn't have made the putt. But since it was downhill, I knew that it, it was really fast, and I really just had to get it started online. And I, I, I did. You know, luckily it went in, and the hair stood up on my head, and just you know, it was it was a great feeling. And you know guys we that's one thing that I'd like to tell the audience is you see guys on the weekend, Tiger was the greatest player ever, and these guys they are nervous, they just know how to control their emotions. they are so nervous you can't believe it and but they're controlling their emotions, and it's yeah it's it's uh it's exciting to get in that position. I mean, they the adrenaline's flowing, and you always hear guys hitting nine iron from one seventy five and it's all adrenaline. They just know how to control their adrenaline better than some guys.
0: Let's go ahead one year later, nineteen ninety five at the U.S. Open at Shinnecock. You're hanging around par after the first two rounds and had a had a tough third round, but in the final round, you shoot the round of the day, course record sixty five, and includes a back nine twenty nine, which is another US open record. Talk us through birdieing six of the final nine holes. Well, it, it, it's crazy.
1: I mean, it, I was playing with Fuzzy, and, and we're going around on the front nine, and we're we're one of the earlier groups out of the day. And, you know, we just oh, and we get to the back nine, and I snap, hook it off a of pin, and the best I can do is get it in the front bunker upside the green. Well, I get it in the bunker, and I get it up and down. And then I don't even know what holds a birdie, but I know that I make four putts probably over 50 feet. And Fuzzy said he could just feel that they were going to start going in after I made two, I made two in a row from 40 feet. And then I think I'll, I'll never forget on the 15th hole, I had a putt must have been 75 feet and I hit it and it, it was in from the time I hit it. And I was like, Oh man, this is something. But the most hilarious thing about the first one is John Daly is playing in front of me. He hit it in the bleachers left on 18th shinnecock. Johnny Miller's first telecast. My caddy's from Canada, and he's smoking a cigarette. And I'm in the fairway, and I have no idea I'm breaking any records. And I'm standing there, and I look at my caddy, and he has smoked that cigarette all the way down past the butt, and he is shaking. And I said, (laughs) Kenny, what's wrong with you? And he said, I said, Kenny, what's wrong with you? And he said, if you part this hole, you're going to break every U.S. Open record they got and set the course record at Shinnecock. And I said, well, I didn't need to know that. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, John Daly's up there and he's taking a, a drop out of the bleachers where they finally finished the hole. Well, now I'm really nervous. I hit long and left over the green and Johnny Miller first telecast says, well, he can't get this ball within 20 feet of the hole. I flopped it up high as you've ever seen and it rolled down there about three and a half feet, left to right putt, and I made it, shot 29, walked off. And what was great about that is my dad was there. Wow! You know, they came up, and, and uh, you know, it, and it was Father's Day because I usually finishes on Father's Day. And I was like, so anyway, I walk in, I shoot sixty-five. They're saying, Neil, you need to hang around; you can win the tournament. There's twenty-three groups behind me, and sure enough, I think I finished fourth. And Corey finished one under. I might have finished two or three over, but that was that was that was a great experience there too. And then something about all the major championships I always played in. I always did real well. I, I was a golfer. The, the harder it was, the better I played. And I think it was because you had, you know, like back to you had to visualize everything. So anyway, like you said, the next year we go to Oakland Hills, and I'm not playing real well. It's raining. I'm sent over for the tournament with nine holes left on Friday. My dad and his buddies are up there, and they said we're going home. We'll see tomorrow. So they get in the car and start driving back.
0: Well, anyway,
1: same scenario. Snap hook it off the tee. Get it in the front bunker. Get it up and down. Birdie the next hole. Go to a par five. We are playing lift, clean, in place. It's a dog leg right, twelve hole, And nobody's getting home in two. Well, I hit it out there, and it plugged in the fairway. So I picked it up and put it on the plug mark and hit a driver over the trees, and it plugged the foot from the hole. So anyway chip on I chip in on the fifteenth hole and I've got a I got a eight footer I got a eight to ten footer on seventeen to get the twenty eight for side. But anyway, I go to, I didn't make it. I go to eighteen and I hit it short of the green and I chipped it up I made it by a six footer downhill left to right to shoot twenty nine again. And I'm like, oh boy, I went from I went from missing the cut to I think fourteenth place going inside. And the funniest thing is my dad and we were halfway home and and they said, you want us to turn around and come back? And I'm like, well, uh, obviously you're bad luck, dad. Keep going home. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was, uh, I always did good. I mean, the U.S. Senior Open one time, I played well in, in that. And I I flew one in the hole for a hole in one. I've just, I've done some incredible, incredible things in in the U.S. Opens, But, you know, it is what it is. And I, uh, I like it. The harder it gets, in the worse conditions. That's my kind of golf.
0: Yeah. So is that what it is for you with U.S. Open? Because there's probably no tougher tournament all year round than the U.S. Open. The conditions, the mental part of the game, all that sort of stuff. It seems like that brought out the best in you.
1: Well, well I've, I've always had a I had a very upright swing, and you know, and the, I always took the approach going into the U.S. Open. The roughs always do. I mean, the rough. The rough on the tour now, and the way the game's changed. The rough, the, the fairways are sixty yards wide. When we played back in the day, we always had rough. Uh Hartford, Connecticut, all, you know uh, Greensboro, up in Greensboro, some of the toughest rough. You couldn't move the ball eighty yards out. of it. And I always took the approach in the U.S. Open. It everybody's going to be driving in the road in the in the rough, and everybody needs to be the best from eighty yards in. Cause we're all going to be hacking it out of the rough, getting it up there. So basically, at that time, my wedge game and my putty was all those weeks, and that's what you need in the U.S. So you, you need a, you need to, you need, you know, it's all about adversity. You better grind it out. There's no, you know, there's no twenty two under, under. You know, if you hunt, if you hung around par back then, that something good was going to be happening to you at the end of the week. And I think I just, I was grinding. I was grinding.
0: And Neil, you played full time on the PGA Tour from 1990 to 2005, and you go back through Q School in 2009. I know you had some shoulder issues at times during your career, but is that why you ended up going back through Q School in '09?
1: Well, I, you know, also, you know, after that many years, I, I I had a I had a shoulder injury. I had a lot on my shoulder the size of your fist, and I need to get that removed. I had three ruptured discs in my neck. And probably didn't really know what was wrong with me. I had so many injuries going on. But like I said, I was a grinder. I was tough. I just, I was going to, you know, whatever it took, I was going to do it. And when I went back to tour school, yeah, I I got through um, and went back out. And, uh, you know, I'm the kind of guy, I'm a a golfer, man. I I play golf for for the love of the game. I mean, that's what I do. I, I, I play golf. That's all I've ever done. And was, so when I got through and went back out, you know, I, I played all right. And, and then I actually made a mistake. Um, I uh, I had a I had a shoulder surgery, and I thought I was going to go back out and be fully exempt from what I understood. And they changed the rules a little bit, and I went back out. It was not fully exempt. I was in the top. I, I think I finished, like, fourth at tour school. So I was going to get into, you know, some. Pretty good tournaments early in the year. I went and had surgery where I should have probably played the first four tournaments and then had surgery because I moved down the list. So then I was out for about two or three years with just, you know, I was letting myself heal up. And then when I got 48, I'm like, I got to go back or I'm never going to go back. And I went back and rehabbed on the web.com a few times. And, you know, and I feel like today I played better than I played back in my prime. The, the ball goes further. Um, Chris, when I was a rookie on the tour, one day me and I went out at the same time. He led driving distance at 284. Dan Poe was like 282, and I was 279 and was third in driving distance. And when I was 51 years old, I played enough tournaments on the big tour for them to keep stats. I hit 301 and was 62nd. Wow. So that goes to show you it's the equipment. It's I, I'm not getting stronger over 20 years, but I hit the I hit the ball 20 I hit the ball 20 27 23 27 yards further at 51 than I did in my prime. So that's wow. golf That's that's so, a
0: lot. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about that because to your point, I saw at the Shaw Charity Classic out on the Champions Tour earlier this year. You played out there. You had a 349 yard drive. So distance isn't an issue for you. I'm surprised we're not seeing you out there all the time. When are we going to get to see you more on the Champions Tour?
1: I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm 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 trying. I I I, I couldn't get through tour school, but two years I shot 15 under one year and missed by one. and one year I shot 1,400 and missed by one. They only take five out of tour school, but you know I, and, and I've always been an advocate. You know I played. 20 years on the tour and have no status when I turned 50 on the champions tour. I had status on the corn ferry tour and didn't have any on the champions tour. And I'm like, it's wow. oh, not right here, but yeah, it's, uh, and I had, and I had limited status on the regular tour, but I, I, I'm trying, I, I mean, I, I'm i trying to Monday qualify some. Um, and I, I still like, feel still like I can play, but you know, when you get out there, you got to do a Stephen offer. you got to get hot guy. He went on a stretch. He's probably the best player in the world for about, about six months last year. But, uh, I'm trying and I'm going to go qualify, uh, some and I, I'm going to play in the SAS championship up in, uh, Cherry, my, my home tournament in, uh, the end of October, but I want to play out there, but it, it takes 23 million in career earnings to get on the champions tour. 23 mm. million. <laughs> so it's kind of a, it's kind of a close shot.
0: You, know, you had to have a
1: great career to get out of Five wins or 23 million. And I didn't do that. I just had 360 cuts. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. But, you know, sometimes you got to help yourself. I'm playing better. I've been struggling with my putter a little bit, but it's coming around. I'm, I'm working at it. Um, I, I feel like I still got some good years in me. I'm turning 60 next week, but I still feel like I can go out and compete. I'm hitting the ball as good as I've, I've ever hit the ball. And I think actually the equipment's helped me, but you know I'm just not putting like I used to. But who does? Nobody stays
0: hot forever. <laughs> right. Neil, before I let you go, let our listeners know how can we stay up to date with the things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media.
1: Well, actually, I'm not, I'm not on social media much. I'm getting ready to uh, launch my website, and uh, I'm coming up with that. I'm waiting for the heat to cool down, and I, I. uh can give a, I'm gonna give some lessons and I'm gonna try to play the tour some and uh and actually I'd like to say hello to my wife and kids I got a great support system my wife Ashley and I, I have a eleven year old and an eight year old two girls and they're probably the greatest thing no not probably they are definitely the greatest thing that's ever happened and we wanted to do it that way when my career slowed down a little bit that was the time for us to have children and they are a big part of my life and, and they really support me and they're excited to see me play.
0: Well, Neil, I'm excited to see you play again soon, too. I hope uh, we get the privilege of of watching you out on the Champions Tour and then getting to have you back on the show again. A lot more to talk about about your playing career, but you've made this segment a lot of fun. I hope we get to catch up with you soon. Anytime,
1: Chris. If you ever need anything, need any help, you just give old Neil Lancaster a call. I'll
0: be here, buddy. I appreciate you, Neil. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Happy birthday a week early. Look forward to catching up soon. Thank you, sir. (laughs) See you, Neil. That is the great Neil Lancaster. Folks, you want to talk about a great player that was uh, doing some great things out on the tour back in the 90s. Boy, you you talk about Neil Lancaster. 29 twice? Almost shot a 28 at a U.S. Open? Are you kidding me? That never happened, obviously. You know, sets a, a course record 65 at Shinnecock and then goes out and also shoots 29 and he does it back-to-back years. Never happened in the history of the game. May never happen again, particularly at a U.S. Open. And then a guy that was right there, you know, in those Opens, finishing fourth one time. And then he uh, got you got a win at the Byron Nelson. And then you know, one of the things we didn't discuss just a couple of years ago, 2018, at the Barbasol Championship at the age of 56, he's right in the thick of things. I mean, he shot uh, opening round 69 in the first and then the second round at 56 years old playing with the young kids. I think this guy's got a lot of game left, and I'm very much excited to see how that plays out for him, hopefully, like I say, real soon.